Well, what's up, guys, and welcome back to episode nine of the Shandy Special. It's been over a month. You know, it's going to be back, finally be back on and getting some good content out for you guys. I have with me tonight the Scott with Brian number one ranked worst blog boy of all time, the Baby Yoda killer himself, Dean of Pistons Twitter, that also on the side covers the Pistons and Heat in his free time, Duncan Smith. Duncan, how you doing, sir? Hey, what's going on? Uh, everybody is number one at something, right? <laughs> Is is Brian not blocking you? Is he still somehow leaving you unblocked? No, I am most definitely blocked. Uh, I rely upon uh, the uh, screenshots of my friends, essentially, um, to to find out when when I'm being mentioned or uh, my attention is required <laughs> uh, from from something that Brian has gotten himself into. So did you reward yourself for claiming the title as number one worst blog boy of all time? Did you did you celebrate or anything? No, I mean I've known it all along. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty safe to assume since uh, day one of our relationship became that I am in his eyes and probably a few others. I don't know. Um, definitely the worst. <laughs> what what started this just pure hatred? Because I mean some people do not get along, with Brian, but you being number one, what spewed all of this? So my number one question is, has he ever slid in your DMs for money? Did he do that before this all went out of hand? 
Oh, wow. Um, I have had easily dozens of people send me screenshots of, of him sliding into their DMs for money. Yeah. Um, so it, it's, you know, it's very clearly an epidemic that this is a, <laughs> like he conducts his business. Uh, but no, he's, he's never tried to get me to, he's never panhandled to me. <laughs> So he did it to me at one point way before, but I've been blocked multiple occasions only because I believe I'm your friend. I think that's the only reason why. So I think he's gone through all of your all of your following, and if they follow you, they're probably blocked by by Brian. So um, that might be. Thanks for ruining um, I know, my yeah. I know he's got a. There, we have a, a bunch of mutual followers who have told me that like they are following him because uh, the, the train wreck is like just too too incredible to. Oh like, yeah. Watch close up. Um, so you know, I won't blow their covers because for sure he's going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> and I don't want him to just like have easy blocks or anything. But uh, for sure, hi Brian. Yeah, <laughs> Brian's actually in the room. I have him in here with us, so he, he he's very scared right now to talk to you. But surely he'll the say funny something. The thing is, you're joking, but he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Security camera. He, he has it. He, he's watching us right now through the camera. So. Yeah. Anytime he knows when his, his name is being said at any moment, anytime, anywhere. So you know, yeah. Um, good for Brian. Um, also, side note, I I found a clip of a Knicks. There's a Knicks podcast. I don't know who the people were who were hosting. They, they seemed pretty legit, but they were interviewing Brian on their podcast, and it just showed them in the studio. <laughs> and while Brian was talking, all three of them were just smirking. So it's like, did they ask this oh, man thanks. to be their guest, but just to literally trash him even more, making him think that he is a reliable source for them? That was just kind of sad and funny and just <laughs> just a little depressing. I'm sorry, but <laughs> so it's like it seems like it would be funny when you think about it, but at the same time, like oh, it's very sad. In, in all reality, yeah, it, it just it's, it, it it does make the makes the soul weep a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay, so let let's switch to Yoda real quick because I just fun fact for you: November 12th, Disney Plus launches, correct? So Baby Yoda kind of comes on the scene on that day, December 3rd. You kill Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda wasn't even a month old, man, and you literally murdered this this baby. Um, okay, t- baby so, Yoda is 50 <laughs> years old. I'd like to state. Okay, well, he as a guy who looks like a baby relative to his uh, life expectancy, he's a baby. Um, but he is way more than than three weeks or a month old. Well, I was trying to make you sound worse of a person. I was trying to do Brian a favor and make you sound like you actually killed a baby. So. I know. <laughs> so, anyways, take me through your first reaction when you log because he tweeted you about ten thirty a.m. Probably wasn't really Ted, you know, somebody who followed his who runs his account, whatever. What was your first reaction when you got on Twitter? And I bet your Twitter is just pure chaos. Um, it it can be a very chaotic. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, like we're podcasting at midnight, so I tend to maintain a pretty nocturnal schedule. And that was that. I thought nothing more of it. 
hours um, is punishment enough. And I was like, okay, can, can I swear in your podcast? Yeah, go for it. What the fuck happened last night <laughs> was, my, was my immediate reaction. Yeah. And then I like start scrolling through like my replies and my mentions and stuff. And it's just like, it, it, just like an unending stream. And I'm like, I couldn't even find the, the tweet from last night. It's like, did I, did I actually tweet this? Did I, like, what has happened? Uh, did I mention here? And then I found it. And, um, you know, even by this early stage, it had like, um, it, I think, Ted Cruz's quote tweet of it had like 3,000 retweets and 10,000 likes or something. So it, it, it had gotten out there. Um, so yeah, my, my initial reaction was uh, disbelief uh, <laughs> because it was, uh, it was just one of those offhand things uh, that, you know, I, I say it and don't give one more thought about until it uh, blows up all over the internet for the next three days. So was that the wildest thing that's ever happened to you on Twitter? Okay, my question is, is it worth 
you see girls all the time post see what's on your mind and, and, and the quote tweets are always way more popular than the actual tweet what is that worth for the, the girl originally tweeting that because they're just trying to go viral like that but they're not getting the clout they want right when they just get quote tweeted and that tweet goes off So that makes me think, have you ever thought about doing a what's on your mind tweet of, of yourself, like a little selfie? You think that would get any uh, fun fun publicity? I never have. I can only see that going badly. <laughs> <laughs> I think the best thing for you to do is do that, and then everyone quote tweets it with their own what's on your mind version for them, and then it just goes from there. Yeah, I mean, those are always, they're always funny too, you know, I, I, <laughs> I think that like, um, I don't know if like, the, the, uh, the women who tweet that <laughs> um, you know, like I, I think once upon a time it was, um, it was, a, uh, it, it definitely served like a certain purpose that it no longer serves anymore. Like it's one hundred percent like joke replies, and I think that's that's pretty great. Um, but yeah, I, I think if I was to do that, um, no good could come from that particular experience. So it's just like the it's just like the tweet recently that said. I don't remember which player it was about, but it said, imagine if you never leave. And then a girl chimed in about an ex-boyfriend. And the whole time it was always about Kawhi Leonard uh, leaving the, the Raptors. You see that? Oh, yeah. I did see that. I did see it, that. that was great. So the girl just literally thinks it's about a guy. And the dude's like, no, it's about Kawhi Leonard. And then everyone just loses their minds. Yeah, that was fantastic. That's, that's tough. Um, but I want to switch over real quick to your – you redecided to take over the Miami Heat, um, All You Can Heat website as a side expert. So can I just talk about what does that mean for you? Because, you're, you know, you're doing these things with Forbes for the Pistons and now you're doing this with the Heat again. Uh, just kind of give us like a little, you know, what's a normal day look like for you? And, and what does this mean as far as workload? And what does it mean to really be a side expert? Uh, side expert is, uh, is basically the, the title that Fantasy uses um, for what would normally be considered um, an editor. I think that that's probably because... Okay. Um, like site experts, quote unquote, mm -hmm. are they're not like employees of Fansided, They're they're contracted basically. So I mm -hmm. think that I think that there's some like legalities as to why um, they they must be called site experts instead of editors. So I you know it's it's basically the same thing. You know I'm I'm writing posts. I'm mm -hmm. uh, me and uh, me and Kenneth Wilson uh, at K said what on Twitter. Uh, give them a follow if you would, um, all you listeners. Um, the two of us, uh, we are co-site experts, so we uh, we end up we we do the lion's share of the writing. Uh, between the two of us, we cover all the editing of uh, of our contributors' uh, posts. Um, we do all that scheduling, you know, manage mm -hmm. staff, etc. Uh, run the social media, uh, basically all the things that go into running a team site, um, those fall under the, the site expert duties. Uh, as far as like, uh, as far as workload, um, basically the reason that I had left in the first place because I, I ran the site with Kenneth through mm -hmm. the summer, mm -hmm. uh, was 
I had a feeling that once the season got started, um, you know, covering the Pistons and writing for Forbes uh, would would probably have like it would really leave me with the time and, uh, mm-hmm. and bandwidth really to uh, to be able to cover two teams. Uh, but you know, a couple months into the season, uh, it seems as though I, I'm left with a little more time than I expected, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I miss the grind, you know, like, uh, what I do for Forbes is not necessarily like, uh, in, in top to bottom, in and out, like micro-analyzing every little thing about the team, uh, it's, Mm -hmm. it's more, um, you know, it's almost like every, every, twice a week or so, I'm, I'm like checking in or I'm like hitting up with like whatever the, the prime topic that's on my mind or the prime topic that's, uh, that's really kind of like eating up the fan base at the time is um, whereas you know as a site expert uh, like I really get into like sort of like micro analyzing in a way you know like say there's yeah. some trade rumor uh, writing for Forbes I would most likely hit all the angles in one piece mm-hmm. uh, so you know kind of kind of glossing over a few things here and there but doing doing the, uh, the site expert thing for, for all you can heat, I'd be much more likely to like bang out a bunch of posts about it, you know, just kind of like looking yeah. at it from all angles. I feel as though it's it's kind of a different uh, a different way of covering a team. Um, and I think they both have a lot of value. I really, really enjoy the way I cover the pistons for Forbes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time like I, I miss being able to like just really get into their nitty gritty and and, yeah. all, and also kind of like help new and younger writers along and mm-hmm. and uh, experiences with um, my previous tenure at, uh, at All You Can Heat um, that I just, I missed, you know, I missed seeing uh, writers flourish kind of under my, uh, my tutelage or leadership or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it was just uh, kind of an overall experience that I, I really missed and, um, you know, I felt like I could justify the time to come back and do it and so I managed to, uh, get back into that same gig. So what pulled you to the Miami Heat going from Pistons rider to all of a sudden, you know, you cover the Heat too. How did you land that? That was another thing that just kind of developed pretty quickly um, of its own. Uh, I'm, I'm good friends with uh, Josh Wilson who runs the NBA division at Fansided. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go way, way back to like the very first days even of when I was writing about basketball. Before I was uh, running piston powered or anything like that, like just I decided that I want to like try running about basketball and see if that works and uh, if if I like it and um, and so you know like we're talking 2015 I guess maybe mm-hmm. um, and Josh was around at Fanside I forget if he was just a contributor or a site expert or what his role was uh, with the Sixer site uh, but we bonded back then I remember we did a couple podcasts together uh, and we were always tight so um, now he's risen up the ranks and deservedly so with that was fan sided and um, I had done a couple of years at least a year without doing any writing at, at the time it, it just wasn't uh, feasible for me to do it but I remember last year in the trade deadline uh, I kind of got the bug like I really really just wanted to write about a team <laughs> so I talked to Josh and I was like are there any sites that need a uh, site expert because like, I kind of 
that came up that needed a site expert and had nothing, had nobody, had nobody in the wings or anything like that was the heat site. Mm-hmm. And the first, you know, I didn't really know a whole lot about the team, but at, at the mm-hmm. same time, like, it was kind of, uh, it was kind of appealing to, like, learn about a team from scratch. Yeah. And, like, uh, you know, because, like, I've, I've been, even when I took my time away from writing about the Pistons in basketball for a year or two years or however long it was, I was still fairly embedded, you know, like, I was, I was following things very closely. Um, so, like, starting from ground zero, from square one, uh, whatever you want to call it, with this heat team, uh, it was really appealing to me. So, uh, he said, I've got this, the heat site, if you want it, or you can, like, wait and see what comes up later. And I was like, eh, I'll start, let's start, let's do this. And, um, obviously, I, I liked it, and developed some really good relationships like even when I was gone for uh, a few months I was still in like almost daily contact with Kenneth mm-hmm. and uh, that's a big reason that like I was in wanting to come back obviously that seemed like a pretty great fit because like we already had like a great chemistry and had a, had a really good vibe back and forth um, and made a pretty good team so uh, yeah that's, that's really why the heat made sense then for me which is just because it was blank slate and something I could learn from from zero and uh, it's also why that's the site that I came back to it's also got to be refreshing to cover a team that's young and exciting and actually good and fun to watch so I'm sure that was a nice transition for you as well <laughs> yeah it doesn't hurt it's one of the reasons I think that I was especially eager to come back yeah. uh, for this season because like they are a lot of fun yeah. and uh, some unexpected surprises I'm sure if they started off like Six and twenty or something like that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that really needs to write about the team. Yeah, <laughs> but they're they're fun and uh, um, that makes it a lot easier. Like you know, I don't know if you watched any of the Heat Lakers games tonight, but that was one of the best games of the season. Mm-hmm. I think it was a yeah. battle. Yeah, and uh, you know, even though the the Heat are kind of injury stricken and um, a little bit undersized, uh, they uh, they still put up a pretty good fight. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's very entertaining. And uh, we'll talk more about the Heat a little later on, uh, but we're going to transition a little bit. We have a few more Twitter questions um, as far as social media goes, and then we'll get into the Pistons talk, the uh, best talk of the night, of course. So last thing on Brian, real quick, because I just, I just got to talk more about this man real quick. So I'm, I'm almost convinced that this man is just trolling at a rate where is, – is Brian a real person? Like, like, is he actually Brian? I feel like he was like a beta at recess – and now he wants to be an alpha on the computer and try and get back for all those bullies in the past. Like, like what? What? What is this man's end game? Like, like what is the last thing we'll, that we'll hear from Brian is something so crazy that he'll just be banned from Twitter and that's it. We'll never hear from him again. Like, I don't understand what this man's goal is. Does he have mental? Like, what is going on with this guy? Um, well, I'm I'm definitely not a psychologist. I, if I was a psychologist, I'd probably start with a certain. Uh, on his um, state of mind. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to throw around terms that I'm not qualified to mm-hmm. use or anything like no. that, but uh, I, I do wonder. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think his, uh, his end game is fairly clear in a way. Um, I, I, I think that uh, it seems as though uh, Patreon is the way that he wants to go, um, and the route that he's taking, you know, it's effective. 
active. You know, the negativity is definitely something that sells. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you you get more eyes for your hot takes and your blogs and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, than you do for just being uh, being uh, conservative with your takes and being uh, generally smart. You know, um, and that the crazy thing is like. Brian is a former NBA coach, essentially. You know, like he is—he was like yeah. on the bench. Yeah. He was like doing scouting reports, and he was like an up-and-coming video coordinator with like scouting experience. Like the dude has all the elements of being a real deal. Uh-huh. And that's the crazy thing, you know. Yeah. Like the—the yeah. um, the toxicity is not necessary mm-hmm. uh, to, to do what he. I think is seeking to do. Um, however, you know, again, if I was a psychologist of some sort, I would probably um, have a diagnosis that goes along with uh, some of these behaviors that we see uh, demonstrated. Um, yeah, like I've, I've been asked if, like, if I think he's like not even like a real person, so to speak. Like, if, if he's like some sort of avatar based on um, based on that. Just a big troll. Duncan Smith is lost for words. It is. It's bad. Like it, it's beyond bad. Because I don't yeah. think you've ever been. You know, something like yeah, this. I'm, I'm just not trying to get canceled. Cancel from Twitter in in, in general. Uh, my yeah. thing is 2019. You want to be back in the coaching scene. Twitter is very much so part of your resume. How in the world can you get a real time big boy job? back in the real NBA grind if you're going to do this on social media? Are you going to delete your account as soon as you get an interview? Like, are you going to make it private? Like, what is this man thinking? He, he has no guidance. He has no... He, oh, no. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, he's, uh, he's certainly persona grata, I think, uh, as far as, um, like, any kind of gig with a team. You know, uh, teams are aware of, of his behavior. And... Um, because he's got to be, what, in his early 30s at the latest? I mean, he's young. He's got a whole career ahead of him if he wanted it, but he's just throwing yes. it all away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, yeah, teams are very much aware of, of yeah. his behavior. And uh, so, you know, there's a reason that he's uh, now, I think, a couple of years into his uh, time away from yeah. the NBA. Yeah. Um, and I, I would not expect that that time away is going to necessarily end soon yeah so uh, final thing on him a question from Aaron Clements here he has a few so he's going to be um, scattered throughout this but his first one was the most important one and you, you saw it and liked it I saw so he asked was Scott with Brian an actual NBA scout or just a former boy scout which the second the latter would make a lot of sense he's just a boy scout but yeah what are your thoughts on that I mean I think he's an actual scout All right, he's well. an actual scout I should clarify yes yes what? Yes, Brian, if you're listening to this, cut out everything we just said and listen to that last part. You were a scout. We credit you. You're better than both of us combined. But one-on-one on the basketball court, that's what we paid to see. Duncan versus Brian for, for all the Twitter clout. Oh, he could beat me there, too. We'll, we'll do something. 
was trying to create an event right there. Yeah, I know. I have no interest in participating. <laughs> okay, so game of chess. You're not gonna get me there. Two out of three game of chess. I think you have a chance. Yeah. I don't know. I doubt it. Okay. Well, we'll think of something. But all right, last Twitter thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got time. Last Twitter thought here. Um, was Lizzo wrong to wear what she did at the Lakers game? And is the criticism around that whole thing fair? The... I mean, she can do what she wants. Okay. She just has to live with the jokes that come with it. So if she's not willing to, to live with the jokes, um, then, you know, she could have taken a different route. But that is the direction she chose to go. And uh, people are going to laugh about it. And I think that that's perfectly fine. So are you a fan of the Houston Rockets reaching out to her and saying, hey, whenever you want, you can come to our games and... Like hanging out with our cheerleaders. You see that whole thing? Yeah, I think that's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know, I. Uh, it's bold. It's a bold take by, by Houston's I, part. I think that the Houston Rockets have made a couple of uh, puzzling decisions this year. <laughs> Good for them. Well, as long as Darren Moore is not tweeting anything about Hong Kong, we're, we should be fine. So. Yeah. All right. Let's 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 move on. We're gonna get into some piston talk here. We're gonna hit with uh, Blake Griffin. Kind of wanted just to, to talk about some reactions and some nuggets from the uh, Mass Pistons game. Um, and the biggest question surrounding this team, I would have to assume right now, is Blake Griffin. Is it time? This is very early, for sure, to say this. But but just to you and me, is it time to accept that Blake Griffin just might not be that dude anymore that we saw last year? Um, he might not be. I think that it was pretty unlikely that he was going to replicate that anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, he had his he had. If not the best year of his career last year, mm-hmm. uh, very close to it. Um, you know that's that's super impressive. You know, especially yeah. he's 29, 30. I forget uh, which of the two, but you don't see that very often. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was really it was special. Uh, it was definitely special. Um, but yeah, I I think that we're definitely beginning to see a pretty precipitous decline. Um, you know, he's still going to be better than a lot of the options that Pistons have to roll out there, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, a whole different topic. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think we're definitely seeing the, the beginning stages of that decline, and it's probably not going to be pretty. Well, the last few games was a pretty alarming sight to behold as he, I don't know, shot like 10 of 35, 40-something, just, something just really bad. And you saw it last night with, I mean, the Kristaps poster on Andre, it all started with, Kristaps faking right, going left, and Blake just couldn't even stay in front of him. Led to Andre getting dunked on. Um, just, just him driving to the basket continuously and getting no leap off of, off his legs, getting blocked by Kristaps. You know, just just trying to. He's on the ground a lot more. I feel like, which he's on the ground a lot anyways. But he's just you know trying to get those those foul calls because he can't really get up like he did because he can't really just finish like he like he could last year. It's just really sad to watch. And I mean, there was a you know we were excited for this year because we thought this team was a lot more improved and Blake was going to come maybe not replicate last year's number numbers but we thought that the meniscus tear would be something behind him but then the hamstring thing became an issue I mean it's just sad and I don't know if it's even if it's a well he's just not in game shape yet I mean do you think that is is this the Blake we'll have like the the, the Blake that we've seen the last few games or is there going to be something better that won't be great as last year but still you know better than what we've seen. Yeah. Um, you know, Blake isn't dealing with the same, the, the same health condition. 
but mm-hmm. I think that we're probably going to see some games where uh, you know he looks like wow he might be back and another day this, he's going to be like floor bound the entire game mm-hmm. uh, you know shooting up 12 threes of those 16 field goal yeah. attempts um, kind of like we saw in, uh, in Mexico City and I think that um, you know maybe the altitude played yeah. part of a role yeah. uh, I wouldn't rule that out at all like uh you watched the um, the pregame spot with Greg Helser and Johnny Kane. Uh, we were running through the streets of Mexico City talking about the elevation and everything, but um, they were pretty winded. I don't know how long they've been running, but uh, <laughs> you know, even after like a three minute segment or whatever, um, and, and Greg wanted to run again, and Johnny was like, <sighs> "Okay, all right," <laughs> you know, like it yeah. was it was a whole different kind of thing. So um, I think that. Shape, you know, he's like 13 games in or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that if there are some some weaknesses in his conditioning, uh, a game like that is going to expose him. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me too much to see him look uh, a lot better tomorrow against uh, Houston. Yeah. Um, it also wouldn't surprise me to see him look exactly the same. Um, so yeah, I think that we're going to see some some real up and down games from him. That begs a question. Some moments late game, if Marquis, for instance, is, is hot, I mean, it's hard to justify having Blake on the bench, but if he's struggling like he is in Mexico City and they're close, I mean, you have to have him out there, but would it be a stretch to assume, you know, maybe, I mean, he's hurting the team too much? Because, I mean, his defense is still effective when, when he gets posted up on, he has a strong body, he can stay in front like that, but if it's a simple drill move or anything, rebounding-wise, like, he doesn't offer anything. So, you, what do you do in that situation? Because you have to have men, right? I mean, he's a $35 million man. How do you leave Blake on the bench? But that's just a weird thing to think about for me. The thing is, even even Blake at partial strength, whatever percentage we want to assign it to, um, the alternative to that is starting Marquise Morris. Uh, you know, Marquise has been yeah. really good against, uh, against uh, reserve bigs. Yeah. I just want to clarify right now that I'm not saying that he shouldn't start. I'm not saying that he should be, you know, in a, in a reserve role. I was just giving the example of an LA game situation. If he's really, really off, um, would you? But, I mean, I still agree that he should be on the court. His intelligence level is still through the roof and better than anyone on the bench, for sure. And he can still hit the clutch shots. He's shown that time and time again. Even if he's, even if he's 2 of 10 from 3, 
he could hit that three that you need at the end of the game regardless. Um, so I, I still am in favor of him doing of, of being on the court late game. But, yeah, it's just a thought that I had, especially after the past few games of just him not looking right at all. And when he's next to Andre, the rebounds, the rebound issue isn't a, isn't a thing because Andre gets whatever he wants. You know, he's at that clip of what would be the most in NBA history as far as the percentage of rebounds that Andre gets when he's on the court through the first 25 games. So, I mean, anyone next to Andre is going to be fine rebounding-wise. But it's just hard to watch. It's really sad to watch. And that leads to the question that Brendan Engel um, asks, what should we do with Blake as far as, you know, trade deadline coming up in three months? He hasn't shown much value. I mean, what what's the route you think they should take as of right now? I mean, you got to play him. Yeah. Um, if he can play, you play him. I yeah. don't think that there's a market for uh, for his services via trade. I can't, even though, like, you know, contenders might be able to use him around, uh, around the trade deadline, ramping up to the playoffs, um, I can see there being some, some logic to... Uh, to some teams maybe wanting a player like Blake um, you know for, for depth even just just to like stock up their their bigs or whatever but that price is just like so astronomical um, I think that it, it really precludes um, even even teams that might see him as like a piece in a championship puzzle um, but even there like you've you've got to able to make some argument that he's going to be able to play at a high level and yeah. um, you know maybe he's not that anymore and, so yeah, yeah I, I think you play him when you can play him and uh, I, I don't think that there's probably any reasonable expectation for any kind of a trade or anything down the road yeah, because I've been seeing a lot of trade scenarios on Twitter from a lot of different people, and they're assuming that, like, I saw Denver one recently, that they were going to give us Mago Porter Jr. and two other players. And I'm thinking, why would Denver possibly give a player of that magnitude with the potential future for a guy like Blake, who hasn't even proven health this year, proven value this year? Like, I don't understand people, I don't think people understand that he doesn't really have that kind of value. No, honestly, I've seen maybe in my entire life on NBA Twitter, like, <laughs> three or four reasonable um, fake trades you know using the trade machine yeah. that uh, that like you could actually make a case for being <laughs> yeah. a uh, well thought out appealing to both sides trade um, but I think that I think most people playing around the trade machine have spent a little too much time uh, using the uh, force all trades feature with, uh, with 2k <laughs> um, they, they just don't necessarily meet all the conditions that both teams or all three teams yeah. or whatever would be involved um, they just don't meet all the conditions that those teams would want in, uh, in a lot of the deals that you see thrown around on, uh, on the trade machine yeah and I'm glad that I can hear you say that you don't think that I mean not really glad per se but there's just not value because a lot of people regardless still think that they can get something from him and, and as of right now I mean you know if you, if you get a month or two from him that, that shows good value before February yeah there's a value there I think if he can, if he can get back to some of what it was last year, even if he just hits more shots, you know, can, can get Springer off the ground, he'll have some value. But right now, there's just nothing there. And going talking about trade deadline here a little bit. I mean, December fifteenth, two days away from you know all those players being eligible for trades. Um, what what will this team? What do you think they should do? Aaron says he asked, will this team buy or sell or do something else? As in take on bad contracts or picks. I don't think we're going to go the rebuild route. I think that's kind of obvious, but what are your thoughts on the team's path toward the trade deadline? I don't think they should be buying. Um, 
selling uh, are also kind of far and few between. Uh, you know, like trading reviews contracts. Uh, you know, maybe this one will have to expire and take that cap space into the summer. Um, it's it's really tough to 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 see exactly yeah. like what the path forward should be. I've yeah. kind of gone back and forth on how I feel like they should they should deal with um, you know their trade options. I think it's one of those things where you just gotta wait until close to the trade deadline to really see. I don't think it's, they'll make a clo- a move anytime soon. Yeah, it's just it's too early, you know. Like, yeah. Um, because reality, we're not gonna make a big trade. We're not gonna make a Demar move. A, a Bills not even in mentions. Like we're not gonna make one of those moves. Those aren't gonna happen. No. Because no. uh, no. like the only components in a deal like that would be like Drummond, for example. Yeah. But, He's such a question mark because of that player option. Mm-hmm. Um, I also don't think that he has that kind of trade value. No. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's. I think it's too early to say. Um, in a month, I think maybe the picture may be a little more clear. Um, you know, by that point, the Pistons might only have 12 wins or something. <laughs> and we'll know for sure what they should do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even if they have some, some small win total by that point, um, I don't even necessarily know if it'll really change the approach they should take. Um, you know, I think that their general rebuilding strategy, if they have one, uh, really should be uh, taking on bad contracts, um, like getting, make, opening, opening up cap space for the purpose of taking on bad contracts and then, yeah. um, you know, having teams incentivize those bad contracts uh, with, with draft picks and yeah. then like kind of building up with other teams' draft picks, which I think is, if you can do it, it's the best way to go. Yeah. Um, so I think whatever moves they do make um, should should be kind of like a wrap around that strategy. Yeah. And I feel as though that's kind of the um, the perspective the front office is going to have as well, because uh, they're not under any kind of illusion that their cap space has any uh, any real draw or appeal for like marquee free agents or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not going to get something in the the twenty twenty one bonanza or anything like that. Um, yeah. But what they might be able to do is uh, is feast on those teams who are who are really desperate for cap space. Uh, you know, like, look what the Clippers did in getting uh, Will Harkless for nothing, um, mm-hmm. basically just to uh, facilitate the Heat in finishing their trade. Like the only reason that deal happened was uh, because the Clippers had a bunch of cap space, um, and I think that's how the Pistons need to be looking at their their potential cap space is just to make themselves a trade destination where they can be that team that is uh, is getting something for nothing in uh, assisting teams that are really over a barrel uh, when it comes to getting the things that they really want and are willing to uh, to attach some sweeteners to it. You know, like the, the Clippers might not have been able to make the whole Kawhi, Paul George thing uh, work mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that Harkless attachment. Yeah. Almost like a, almost like a throw-in, um, but like that that uh, first round pick I got from Miami was a, a major component in the in the Paul George deal. Or the Paul George deal, there is probably no Kawhi. So um, you know, while there there isn't any reason to think anything like that is going to happen on the road, uh, still the the, uh, the Clippers were able to benefit from having that cap space, and uh, they had a, a well-constructed plan uh, that was really wrapped around taking advantage. 
So if you had to like kind of think right now and look at it, it, there's a higher probability that the Pistons really just sit on their hands and do nothing through the trade deadline. Like we'll have the same expirings because Reggie, who knows when we'll get back, what kind of value he'll show. Blake, who knows? Langston, he's he's doing well enough to keep unless we want maybe a second form. You know, are you thinking that we'll probably just sit on our hands? And for the buyers listening out there and the buyers on, on Twitter, I mean, you kind of look at the Eastern Conference right now, and, and I haven't looked in a while, and looking tonight, you know, one through six, those six teams are pretty much going to stay in, in that one through six. The order will probably change, but Bucks, Heat, Sixers, Boston, Toronto, Indiana, they're all probably going to be there. I mean, you got Brooklyn, Orlando, seven and eight. I mean, if you look at that, I mean, how, how can you, you know, argue that you want the seven, eight seed? I mean, because you, you don't want the seven, eight seed especially as it being Detroit. I mean, you want to get a higher one so you can maybe have a chance, but you don't want to be facing, you know, more than likely Bucks, Sixers, 1-2, and then even with the Heat, Boston, whoever would, would fall 3-4. Uh, I mean, it, it really doesn't make sense to to try and, like, like go for the, the playoff 7-8. There, there's really just no good path with, with what we have right now. And, and there's still some 
small, small glimmers of hope as far as thinking maybe this team can, can be healthy and actually be good because, I mean, we were I was very excited after the offseason of what they brought in, the talent they brought in, and thinking about a healthy squad. We might not be able to see that. We might not see, you know, Blake, you know, be Blake. But there's still that hope. And there's also, I mean, the Bucks facing them in the first round would be pretty depressing. But watching them go at it the last game, that was probably the most entertaining basketball we've had in a while from, from Detroit. And that was fun. Um, see, yeah, I mean, Oh, I mean, they, they very much fell off toward the end, but... Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, you are right, and that is incredibly depressing. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it is, you know, it is nice to see them trying really hard, which um, you don't necessarily always get that uh, 110%, so to speak, um, and they definitely provided that in that game. And if nothing else, for the Bucks, Giannis claimed that we we're kind of bad boys, so, you know, if that's all it took then we'll take that. You know, we'll take that positive uh, feedback yeah. from Giannis. Yeah, um, it's funny. Even there, like, <laughs> when context was added, kind of some of the edge came off. I think the quote was something along the lines of, uh, yeah, they play kind of dirty. They they play really hard. They, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, basically, like, if you read the entire sentence, which yeah. I don't have in front of me, but uh, it ended up being, like, sort of a, more of a, But I will say I had to listen to the uh, the Dallas broadcast last night because I was blacked out from listening to George and, and Greg being in Arkansas, um, and they even made some mention of Detroit being a tough team and, and kind of a you know not dirty but one of those teams. So I mean at least they'll take it out of context. Maybe other teams will do that. So you know I mean no no losses here. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. Um, they're, they're, they're kind. <laughs> I mean just sitting here thinking about this team, it, it's been so hard for me to enjoy them. I mean we've had. We've had bright spots in, uh, in in Derrick Rose. I know you were kind of you know very worried about him going into it, but he's kind of you know been a very much fun storyline for us. Great. And great. yes, and Christian Wood, Christian Wood has been incredible. A guy that you know rebuild rebuild right now does not sound terrible with with the young guys we have, and Christian Wood included. It, it doesn't sound that depressing anymore to me, especially yeah. watching Blake out there looking like a corpse. It's very hard. <laughs> It's very hard to be like this is one of the most depressing years for me as a fan. And I know there's been definitely some dark days, but being 24 and, and really, you know, really feeling it, <laughs> like it's been hard to watch because you you want Blake to be good. It's so hard and, and sad to watch Blake after, especially last year and after his meniscus um, performance. You know, game three and four, like him doing everything he could for us. He knows and seeing him be so sad on the bench. There's there was a screenshot of him. In Mexico City, like when, when we were down like twenty, and he was just having a terrible game, like he was just looking down, like he was sad, you know, like like that. That's hard to see, and so th- this is just one of those teams. It's really hard to predict. No one really knows what they're going to do because of just the, the weird contract situations and their big names being expirings, and it, it's just a weird situation. And I haven't really felt this, you know, in a while about about Detroit, and it's just it, it's depressing, man. It really is. Yeah, it's weird when you look at like the mix of teams that they have
But the Mavericks are winless against the Knicks, so who's really worse off here? Yeah, they did beat the Knicks. Um, we handled them pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> Magic 2, I think. They beat the Magic pretty good. Yeah. So, like, some of these really bad teams, they will get up and just pound the life out of. You know, like, they, they basically had the Spurs game decided by halftime, I think. Yep. Um, I think they scored 80 points in the first half or something like that against the Hawks. So... You know, when the shots are falling, they can definitely beat the bad teams, except for those goddamn Charlotte Hornets. And I think they play the Bulls next week or something like that, and you know they're going to lose that game. They, they just will. Like, you heard it here first. Yeah, they're going to lose that game. Well, my thing is, we should just be doing everything in our power to match up with the Pacers first round. You know, that that's your number one goal if you're at it in Tom Gores. Do whatever it takes. Win a few playoff games, and we'll just rebuild from there. Let Andre, let Reggie go, but we won a few games and we can be happy because Indiana, we can we can play those guys. Old Debo comes back, playoff situation, probably a different story. But yeah, I mean, even now, like, it's, I think, what, the first three games, I think we're all sort of in that, that uh, post-Asia hangover that <laughs> seems to happen to every team that plays in the preseason in Asia. Yeah. But Andre would still get his own. Andre loves playing the Pacers. And I would love oh, to yeah. see Andre play them every night. Yeah, and, and so that's good to see. And also, side note here, Andre does his, whatever he wants in the avocado game last night, 20 points first half. Why was he not looked at in the second half as a key offensive point? Like, like, like is Casey... What is Dwayne Casey? Should I like him or should I dislike him? He's good for a rebuild. I mean, what... what, what what should I think about Jordan Case at this point? Because I don't know what to think. I like him. It's funny. Like, in-game, I don't like him. And then, yeah. like, between games, um, development-wise, I think there are things to, like, um, I, I do feel as though, like, his reputation as an in-game coach is, uh, is earned. Uh, it's, not a, it's not a great reputation. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that there are some things to like overall. Personally, am reasonably pro Casey. There have been some, you know, some things that I myself would probably have disagreed with, but at the same time, like it would be the height of hubris to like, (laughs) um, you know, to suggest in some of these cases that I know, I know better than Dwayne Casey. Um, You know, he's not, (laughs) he's not some Jim Boylan class clown here. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, and, and it, he did gain more respect when I mean, you know he was getting dogged on all the beginning of the year for playing Thon over Christian, and then once Christian Wood got more time, you know, more features came out about Christian where it was, you know, he just needed to be matured a little bit, needed to be brought a little slower, and, and he needed to be groomed. And, and that had to be a lot of Casey Sweeney, those kind of guys, you know, like getting into that point. And even he came out, you know, admitted, like, he just wasn't ready maturity-wise. Um, and it took a while for him to do that. So, I mean, you know, you don't know everything that goes on behind the scenes. You don't know all the work that Casey's doing. That's right. Um, that's right. and, and that's a great, yeah. So, last question here before we get into Twitter questions. Um, kind of want to talk about Seiku a little bit. And, and Aaron Clements asked if you think he's close to being ready. And, and I just pulled up his G League numbers. I didn't see the game tonight, but I saw on Twitter he might have had a pretty horrific game. Uh, don't really know what his performance was. But, I mean, I know Eli tweeted it was the worst performance of his G League career. So, it must have been pretty bad. Um, but, you know, he was aver- he's averaging 16.3 points a game, 5 rebounds, uh, 1.3 assists, 39% from 3 on a close to five attempts. We've seen him in the NBA a little bit. You know, Casey's been so reluctant to even throw him in, even being down, even being up a big amount. It might have been the Spurs game or the Cavs game. We had like a seven-minute spurt. He could have played, but he only played three. I think the beginning of the – the thing for me is the beginning when we got Sekou, I know I had James Edwards on the pod for my first one. We talked about him, and, and he was talked about as a guy who would be the backup small forward. Maybe sure some minutes with speed, but he was going to get, you know, a rotation spot. It might have been, you know, getting preseason, getting more time in training camp. They saw he wasn't as ready. That could have been a thing. Um, but but what, what switched there? Because the talk at the beginning, I feel like, was he was going to be a piece in the rotation. But now it's like, man, this guy needs a lot of time to really develop before he can get significant minutes in the NBA. Yeah. Is, is an NBA player necessarily, uh, but he's like way better 
was him. And I think that that, that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think that this is another aspect where uh, I would very comfortably uh, defer to Dwayne Casey. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, I can see the logic to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I also don't think that this season is that worth fighting for, um, that you would take even 1% chance of messing up uh, Seacrew's development and progression uh, by throwing him to the fire too quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, okay. this is this is not a season where uh, a battle for the eighth seed matters that much. That you need to go so far your way that you need to take any chances with Seiko. Mm-hmm. All right. So, getting into Twitter questions now. Um, the first one from a dear friend of mine, um, the Detroit Pistons official Twitter account. <laughs> big, big, <laughs> big, big friend, big fan. Um, they asked the question: What is your earliest Pistons memory? And quote a good one, of course. So no bad ones. So I'll let you take this one first, and I'll come in behind you. Sure. Uh, I think my very earliest Pistons memory is kind of um, it almost seems like a memory of a memory. You know, <laughs> um, I basically missed the whole bad boys period. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little too young for that, uh, but I do remember being aware of Isaiah Thomas. So mm-hmm. like. trying to be Isaiah Thomas did you try and twist your ankle on purpose and just see what it was like to play with a bad ankle or did you even did you just skip over that I stayed fairly injury free <laughs> <laughs> nice nice that's awesome well mine uh, so I, w- I mean 04 you know I was pretty young I-, I remember watching that series in my house but I was pretty young so my fond memories were um, I had a buddy who wasn't a fan of any, any NBA team he didn't really like sports a lot. His sports were soccer in track and field, cross country, those kind of things. He didn't have an interest in basketball, but he, he was like, Dustin, like, I want to be a fan of the NBA team. And, and I was like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm your best bet right now. <laughs> like, come be a fan of the Pistons. So we went to the same church, and my church was in walking distance of where I lived. And I remember just all these nights uh, uh, of us, because Detroit playing on Wednesday nights was my biggest kryptonite, because I always had my phone in my lap, keeping up with the, the play-by-play during church. God forgive me. It was bad. I was hiding my phone uh, in, in my lap. Um, and, and I just remember all the nights of, of just getting out of church as soon as possible and running back to the house of my buddy. And, and we would watch the Pistons. Okay, you have to understand my Wi-Fi at my house is maybe 20 megabits a second. Like, it is horrendous. And, and we had a first-generation Mac. And I would just look up, like, the worst crappy strings of all time and, and watch Greg Monroe, Andre Drummond, Josh Smith, those guys, like, with my buddy. And we would just, like, have a great time, even though it was just horrendous what we were watching. <laughs> But his, his favorite player was Greg Monroe because he loved saying moose all the time. And we talk about it at school. And, and so that was just really cool. He doesn't really keep up with him anymore. He lives in Philadelphia now, so he gets better basketball. Brian, I uh, hope you're enjoying Philadelphia. Must be great. But, yeah, so that's my best early memories as far as just the, those things. Um, 
But yeah, so so good times. You know, even in the even in the darkest moments of Pistons basketball, we made good. So absolutely. We're gonna move on to the next question here from Tony Nebraska, also a dear friend, um, and also Monday night, Duncan. I don't know if you're gonna be at the Wizards Pistons game, but Tony and I are sitting in the same exact section. So come hang out with us, section 102. We will be there. Um, um, I'm not gonna be at that one. I'm gonna be at the uh, on Wednesday. Uh, all right, well, I'll just buy a plane ticket, another one, so no big deal. All right, cool. So Tony asks, what are the, what's your favorite Pistons Twitter moment? It doesn't have to involve you specifically. I guess that was a shot at me. I don't really know. But just your favorite moment from our beloved community. And, and I'm going to hit this one first, and it's obvious for me. It's got to be game three against the Bucks, Wilson's Arena last year. I mean, the Pistons Twitter meetup. There was, there was such – I've seen pictures since of, like, you know, quote-unquote Pistons Twitter meetups. Been about maybe 10 or less people. That meetup was absolutely insane. The amount of people, and you saw it, the crowd was pretty massive. Like, the amount of people there, it was huge. And you had James, you had Rod, you were there. Maybe, yeah, I think Rod made it. Yeah, Rod made appearance. Like, everyone was there. Johnny was there, brought the cameras. Like, the, the, the whole bit of all of us with Johnny on camera. Um, all, like, I got a lot of follows from, like, James, Rod. I mean, Rod didn't follow me. Rod, you don't follow me still. I'm kind of sad about that, but whatever. Not better. Um, even you following me, like... That was just a very special night. Pistons Twitter, I met the social media director. He literally posted me on the actual Twitter account. It was just a very amazing night. I met two great guys who I talked to to this day, who I sat next to randomly. I had no idea who they were beforehand, but we made a great friendship and talked to this day. That was just an amazing night for me, and that was really the night that I think Pistons Twitter really just like came as one, and ever since then has just been you know pretty pretty close. But yeah, what do you have for that? Yeah, the rest of Okay. Um, and it was going to be before you mentioned it. Like yes. I, I, uh, I, I tried to come up with some, some, uh, you know, one Bs to go with, with uh, yeah. game three is one A. Um, but it is just far and away. I think uh, the best, the best Pistons Twitter memory. Uh, you know, not only was it a, a big gathering and get together, um, but it, it also, I think, it kind of had this uh, you know bonding effect between the mm-hmm. team like at least between like the social media um, and Pistons Twitter you know I, I would say that that's probably where uh, Pistons 6 was born mm-hmm. um, you know uh, when the team kind of got to know a lot of the, the, the guys and the girls the people of, of Pistons Twitter and uh, and really decided to embrace that group uh, you know so now you've got Shout out to the Pistons for reaching out to me and asking when I'd be in town next. They got me two free tickets behind the goal to this game coming on Monday evening. My whole reason why I'm going to Detroit. Um, so that was just really it's just it's just amazing when your favorite team just is in your DMs. Like they reach out to you first. You know, it's not it's not you, it's literally them 
wanting you, like pointing you out, wanting you to come to an event, and it's on them. So that's just really special, and I don't think that most fans see that for their team. And also, my another favorite thing was when I first met, because I, whenever I went to the the gathering, it was only me, um, Zay, and Zar. <laughs> and I met Zay for the first time, and had no idea he was just like 12 years old. Like, I just looked down at the guy, and I was like, dude, wait, what? <laughs> like, I've been having legit conversations with you and had no idea you were 12 years old. Like, it was just an amazing realization. <laughs> Seriously. Like, all right, I'm going to just take everything I said in a different light now from now on. But, you know, it, that was just an amazing. Because <laughs> he was literally just like Stitch. Like, that was his avatar. So I, I was just very thrown off. But that was great. That was a great thing. Um, but also, okay, moving on. Uh, Nick Hinkle. We got, the, we got the Pistons gold following, like, asking questions. We have literally the Hall of Fame of questions tonight. So this is awesome. Um, but he asks, if you both had to choose a co-host, for a Pistons podcast, who would you choose? Quote, Pistons Twitter only, obviously. So, what do you got for that? Lazarus Jackson. We've, we've podcasted at least once or twice before. He's just got this podcasting voice. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, he's probably not the best choice because, like, that voice would overshadow me. <laughs> to a degree. Uh, yeah, he's got the cadence down. I'm a little kind of all over the place when I'm, when I'm recording on a podcast. I mm-hmm. drop a lot of ums, a lot of likes. Uh, yeah. You know, I... You can see, like, I'm, I'm kind of all over the place just in my, my description of the situation. Um, Laz doesn't do that shit. <laughs> so, uh, but at the same time, I feel as though, like, maybe through osmosis, I'd pick up some of his, uh, his perfect tonage, you know? He just has a really smooth voice, a relaxing, calming voice, you know? It's, it, it, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a great listen when you're driving down the road. And I love, like, his progression with his pod and getting on Blue Wired. Like, he's just made some great content. I'm thankful for him. So, so my guest, does Isaac count? World of Isaac, is he part of Pistons Twitter? I don't know if he's ever like been inducted. I know he kind of does his own thing, but it just has a mass following, anyways. Sure. Um, yeah, but I mean, he's an hilarious follow, and I feel like we would just like yeah, feed super well off of one another. If that doesn't count, though, Tony Nebraska, we recorded the pod about a month ago. One of my favorite pods. Like he's hilarious, and we we just fed off really well. <laughs> so, yeah, Tony, you're my guy. If Isaac. Isn't allowed. Oh, Nick, you can, Nick can decide that, I guess, you know. Okay. So now moving on to the heat. So Brendan Triola asks, keep trade cut between Kendrick Nunn, Luke Kennard, and Tyler Hero. You're going to go first here, obviously, and then I'm going to come behind you. Given the choices, I think uh, Nunn's got to get cut. Okay. I said that too. Uh, I, I think that that is, you know, it's just the, the natural decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yes. Okay. Um, I would reluctantly have to trade Hero. Okay. Um, and so obviously I'd be, I'd be keeping Keep Luke. Luke. Um, that is, I'd say that's not just like hometown bias. I think that um, Luke's experience, I think, is, uh, is okay. beneficial. Um, I, I think that Hero's, his shooting is not quite on the same par. Um, I do like that Hero. I, I have this feeling that if um, if Hero and Blake played uh, played on the same team, uh, shared the floor together, I don't think that Tyler would kind of like shrink like uh, like Luke sometimes mm-hmm. tends to do, mm-hmm. and just sort of like disappear. Uh, I have a feeling that Tyler would be getting his regardless. Yeah. Um, so I do like that. I think that he's maybe a little more assertive. Um, but I think that Luke's uh, his experience now and 
his like third year. Um, I think that that kind of breaks the tie because I'd say they are pretty close, honestly. Yeah, I also struggle with that because I, I I cut none, um, but but Luke and, and Hero. I mean, obviously Luke's experience trumps whatever Hero has done in one year, and especially in only what twenty four games. But interestingly enough, I haven't watched the Heat a lot this year. I watched them tonight, obviously against the Lakers, but not a lot before that. I mean, Kendrick Nunn in, in thirteen of twenty four games, he's put down fifteen or more points. Like that's pretty impressive. Thirteen of twenty four as a rookie scoring fifteen plus, that's already pretty awesome and, and pretty impressive. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we agreed there. That's good. I, I'm almost as good as a Heat side expert, so that's pretty pretty good for my resume there. Um, <laughs> not bad at all. Yeah, I can write an article for you. Yeah, no big deal. All right. <laughs> perfect, perfect, perfect. Eli asks, if you can add any player from the Heat to the Pistons that isn't named Bam or Butler, who would it be and why? And then same with Detroit players to the Heat, not name Andre or Blake. So first being, yeah, Heat to the Pistons. So if I could move a player from... Heat from to Miami, Pistons, yeah, but it's not Bam or Jimmy Butler. Okay. Um, Come on, let's see if we guess the right one here. Two for two? Yeah. I don't know if it's necessarily obvious, but for, for as far as fit for Detroit, I have one that I like. Justice Winslow is the one that jumps off the page. Okay. Uh, I don't know if he's a great fit, but he's he's more of like uh, if things work out a little bit better for Stanley Johnson, that's kind yeah. of you know what you're you're dealing with. Yeah. We kind of know his, yeah, his ceiling, don't we? Like, at this point, we know yeah, we're going to from him. I mean, assuming that we're not just fooling ourselves, which is always yeah. the concern, I think. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I guess well, he's always hurt, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me, let me, let me save you here. Uh, I, I, put, I went with Tyler Hero simply because 6'5", nice frame, good shooter. He's already hit clutch shots. I, I don't remember what game it was, but I watched one ending of a game where he was just hitting – I think he hit two threes, one in, in regulation, in the regulation, one in overtime. Like, he just isn't scared of the moment. He could be the instant backup to Luke once Langston's gone after this year. I really like that idea of Luke and Tyler. I mean, the shooting's pretty nice. Um, so I went with Tyler there for that. I didn't really even think about Winslow, but, I mean, it's, it's not a bad thought. Because, I mean, defense would be nice on a team that literally can't guard anybody. But... Um, Eli also threw in two very important questions. The first one being, what flavored gummies did Dion eat? Have you figured that out yet? Oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I feel like something, uh, something minty, maybe. You think minty? I, I don't know, yeah. I'm thinking something a little like out of the box. Like, you know how the gummy worm, I don't, what's the main gummy worm brand? I'm blanking right now on it. Okay, well, you know how they make like they make like creatures, so like octopus, yeah. like 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 one of those. I feel like he ate one of those, and it just like you know that was what that's what did it in. If you eat too many octopus gummy worms on a plane, bad things are bound to happen. That could be whether it's infused with anything or not. <laughs> he just had so many. <laughs> so just just write that, like put that in like your like quote what I just said, put it in one of your articles, and then that'll be a storyline because that's what's happening to you lately. Anything that you say is a lead quote, a lead source. That's pretty so cool. This is, this is true. That's yeah. pretty cool. I bet you feel pretty special. That was great. That was amazing. Imagine my surprise. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that that's a good that's a good source of uh, Twitter mentions too. When you just like have no idea what's going on, you're like, wait, how did this happen? What was happening here? Um, that's great. But all right, moving on. Um, I am Br- Brewster on on Twitter. He asks, which Miami Heat player do you want captaining your starship? <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Jim Butler. <laughs> okay. he's, he's Captain Kirk. <laughs> so I don't have any any uh, Star Trek experience. I do have Galaxy Quest experience, though. It's a great movie, right? Tim Allen, classic. Have you seen it? Okay. I've never seen it. Oh. I might have seen, like, of it. Don't <laughs> yes, it, it, and also uh, Snape, Professor Snape was in that film as well. Not as Professor Snape, but as his original person. Imagine if he was though. <laughs> yeah. Do <laughs> you like Harry Potter? It's pretty good. No? Um, I believe I've seen all the movies. I haven't read the books. Uh, I am a very casual Harry Potter observer. Okay. I would say. My mom made me read all the books as a uh, elementary student. It also gave great AR points. Yeah, it's such such big books, so you're knocking out a lot of points when you read this. Um, also. The way Snape dies is just really depressing. The snake going to his face. This it's just sad. Like Snape took a beating to what Blake's taking on the court now. That that that's my comparison out there. Yeah, so. you're right. And I think I think Snape might have actually been my favorite characters of the movies. Oh wow. Well I hope I didn't spoil it for you. He died, just so you know. Well no, I, like I said, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. But he died in Dumbledore's honor, so you know, whatever. Honestly. I wish I had a, a Harry Potter fanatic to come on this pot and make a crossover of all time right now. That would just be the most surprising thing ever, but I don't. So we'll move forward instead. We, we can get you one for the next one, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe Brian likes Harry Potter. That's a good That's a good way to go into it. Um, I'm talking Scott with Brian, not my friend Brian. But anyways, all right. So moving on. So uh, another question concerning the Heat. Um, who is the baby Yoda from this Miami Heat team? And is that as far as like looks? Like young, like I mean, I guess you can take it in many ways. I don't know who looks like Baby Yoda, but yeah. Um, I did see this question earlier, and I was thinking about it. <laughs> and Baby Yoda. I mean, I guess you can think of a player who's just I don't know. I, I haven't seen Mandalorian, so I don't really know what he was like in oh, that show. Okay, so I can't go too deep with this kind oh, of. Oh man, you, I'm sure there's some fanatics listening who would love to hear your input because I don't have any yeah. offer. So Baby Yoda is like a biblical character almost because that, that's how like, you know, you had, this might be a weird comparison, but you know, you had guys like 900 something years old who are portrayed as old people. Like Abraham, yeah, well, like, like Moses was what, 600 I think when the flood happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, his, his legs were about as bad as Blake's right now. So. The thing is there, I just don't think that they knew how to count in biblical times. Yeah. So you think, you, you I, think one day I, you just woke up like, I'm a hundred today. No one can tell me otherwise. Yeah. Like. <laughs> That that I don't is a think yeah. That's interesting. Methuselah was, I mean, nine hundred sixty nine. I think the oldest man in the Bible. Good for that guy. I don't know what he did, what kind of workouts he was doing, 
Um, I mean, good for good for Methuselah. That's a good spell spell game, guys. You listen. Can you spell Methuselah? If you can't, you're not a Christian. So good luck. But all right, Let, let's end it. Let's end it here. <laughs> but I'm I'm a Christian man, and, and so that's obviously not what it takes. So all right, if Christian people are listening to this, I didn't mean that. It was a joke. All right, mom, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. I remember I made there was there was an alcohol reference on a few pods ago. Oh, Matt Shook, he interviewed me on his pod. And I made a I made a joke about alcohol saying, Mom, Dad, I hope you're not listening. And I literally felt so bad walking out, I had to call my mother and be like, All right, mom, if you hear this, it's not what it th- it's not what you think. All right? Like Yeah, oh, no, there you no, go. Uh my mom doesn't listen to these, so you know, it's okay. not a big deal. Well, now if my dad listens If my dad listens, you'll probably see a tweet from me in the next few days. But you know, anyways. All right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I still think you all would be good friends though. I I, I have faith. Yeah, I think so. Oh man, I'm trying to. You have to love your dad, but you don't have to like him. What was that about? Wait, wait, wait. wait. Well, I've I've said multiple things about my father on Twitter in a good in a good lighthearted manner. Um, He still has me. If we watch if we watch a movie that's PG higher than PG, I'm catching every single curse word with the remote via subtitles. So you can imagine my migraines happening as I'm just literally staring into the words, not even being able to watch the movie. 24 years old, I've still done that to this day. Um, oh, I mean, it, it, what you do for family time, you know? Honestly, yeah. please, like, give me that credit, you know? I'm just trying to be a good son. You, you just need to find some old uh, Kenneth Copeland VHS <laughs> and watch the gunslinger go to work. I'm yes. sure you've seen the gunslinger, right? I actually haven't seen it. Yeah, you have to you have to realize what house I was growing up in. Like, I, I couldn't watch anything. Like, like the house was small, and if there were curse words going on, on, on like out loud, I would be just you know like slapped across the face for it. Not really, but don't call hey, child you know, services. You know who Kenneth Copeland is, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'll do my research. So, I'll watch it, you know, and I'll get back with you. Send me the VHS. Yeah, yeah I, I have no idea where you'd find it. I I'll put that on my Christmas uh, list from my dad. Website. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand that Kenneth Copeland has a new fancy uh, private jet. So. Oh, nice. Good for uh, him. Yeah. So I, I assume that they are still selling all those movies. <laughs> Good for that guy. All right. All right. I'll yeah. give him some business. Yeah. Watch it. Let me know okay. if it still holds up. Man, I really hope my dad doesn't listen to this now. I really hope he doesn't. Sorry, dad. This is just taking a turn. But anyways. Yeah. All right. Well, Duncan, are you, you are you going to be a good dad someday? Are you excited for those days? Are those days coming soon? Yeah, are those days in the near future? You want to be a dad? Um, well, I didn't until I saw the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. So, <laughs> so you want a fifty-year-old baby? I don't know if I could uh, produce a, a Baby Yoda of any sort. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, if it happens, I will. Uh, I will embrace it. Uh, okay. If it doesn't happen, I'm not like trying to make it happen or anything. Yeah. But so you know, it's, uh, <laughs> we'll see what the Lord has in mind for me. Wow, very nice, very nice. He might wait till you're uh, 600 to to give you the call. So, um, that's also a Bible reference. So you probably, I guess you haven't read it. No big deal. All right. I grew up in the church, my friend. Oh, nice. So there's, you know what I'm there's a reason I have questions. <laughs> very fair, very fair. All right. Before we get too deep into the Bible here, 
Um, let's please close this for the love of God. I need to get out of this. Um, Connor Kelly to finish the show. He asks, and you responded to him earlier. Would you watch Baby Yoda die a slow, painful death every day for the next year if it meant the Pistons win the championship? I need context here. I need to know where Yoda's at, where we're watching him from. Is he like in a glass box? Is he like right by your chair as you're watching Detroit win, just slowly dying and making noises, dying every day? Like, what's happening here? I need, I need more answers. But yeah, Duncan, would you watch Baby Yoda die for the Pistons win the championship? I will protect Baby Yoda. <laughs> wow. Okay. What if it's what if it's just his time to go? What if he's a thousand years old? You know, like it, it's better for him to be gone and to be dead. Um, no, I don't think that's gonna happen. Wow. I, I, and you know, this question is about this particular character, Baby Yoda. I, I assume that this uh, this event of his death or this championship would have to occur in our lifetime. Um, <laughs> yeah. Would likely be within the next century or so. Wow. Uh, Okay, that gives me some so, hope. Yeah, I, so, I mean, I, I feel as though it has to be this character, and it's uh, very close to its current form, if not its very current form. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I protect Baby Yoda is basically my, uh, my slogan. So would you kill for Baby Yoda? If someone tried to attack him, would you actually kill a human being for Baby Yoda? <laughs> would you actually kill a human being for Baby Yoda if it came down to it? So you have one gun, one bullet, and you're in an elevator with Adolf Hitler, Brian, and Ted Bundy. What are you doing? You shooting Brian? Um, <laughs> I guess, I mean, am I shooting Brian? I, uh, no, I, I feel as though Brian and I could probably set our differences aside okay. long enough to figure that situation out. Okay, so it's not that bad. Okay, Brian, he wouldn't shoot you, man. Maybe, maybe you would put the gun down and just you would all have an agreement. You, Adolf, and Ted. I think that would work. We'd work something out. We would figure out some way <laughs> of, of uh, bringing a peaceful end to this. Nice. Uh, one elevator, one gun, one bullet. <laughs> I, can, I can see the 20,000 likes that would bring on Twitter when you t- posted a picture of you three or you four hugging it out. <laughs> That'd be a great Twitter. <laughs> yes. It, it, Brian would be on a chair above holding it because, you know, no one can really, you know. Adolf wasn't very tall, I don't believe. I don't really know. I don't, I don't know that much so. about Hitler. He'll, he'll just be, like, tweaking away on that. <laughs> nice. And Ted Bunny would be Zac Efron, of course, you know, since he played yeah. that role. So he's he would just... He'd be Snapchatting the whole time in, in the elevator, having no idea what's going on. And then Brian would be still DMing people for money, saying this he is... Would my... be, like, people. <laughs> it, it's just Brian asking everyone in the elevator if they like, if, if they like Brian or not. <laughs> Let's give my last day, guys. Come on. All right. All right. Well, after that last 30 minutes was just all over the place, and I'm really worried my dad's going to kill me. So thank you for that. Getting on a plane with him tomorrow to go to Detroit. I'm just not going to mention this even happened, so he can't listen. Um, but, but Duncan, thank you so much, man, for coming out of the ninth episode of the Shandy Special. And, and I'm sure we'll hear from you again. But uh, you have any last remarks you want to give to our crowd here? Um, no, I mean, just uh, thanks for staying up late. Uh, of course. All right, well, that's the ninth episode of the Shannon Special. We'll see you next time.